Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. All right, all right, all right. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a Tuesday. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, uh, are we already off to a fast start uh, this week. Um, you're in the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. The um, Trent Brown era is officially over uh, here in Las Vegas and here with the Raiders. Two years into his four-year contract, the dude played 16 games out of 32. I'm not a mathematician, but that's like half the games that he's supposed to play. Uh, no hate or anything like that, just an acknowledgement. Uh, Trent Brown played 16 games over the last two years, got paid $37 million-ish um, for doing so. Missed um, 12 games last year, basically. Uh, played, uh, Started and completed four games. Uh, started a fifth, but could only play eight games. Uh, there were a variety of reasons um, why that was last year. A calf injury that either happened during training camp or predated training camp and was brought to training camp uh, with Trent Brown. Uh, really cut into his season early on. Um, and then there was the COVID-19. And then there was a situation that happened in Cleveland. And uh, on and on and on and on. The point is Trent Brown... Uh, couldn't honestly not be relied on uh, to be out on the field on a consistent basis. Uh, if you want to point fingers, uh, go ahead and do so. I'm not going to say I'm not in the man's head, so I don't know, um, you know, where what his thought process was or what his heart was, his passion for the game. I'm not going to speculate on all of that. I'm just going to say the facts. Uh, he played 16 out of 32 possible games with the Raiders. Got paid a lot of money to do that. Going into 2021, um, you know, and owed $14 million uh, on the uh, third year uh, of the four-year deal, non-guaranteed uh, $14 million. The Raiders had serious questions to ask. Um, we've been talking about it for months and months and months now, even going back to, toward the end of last season. Uh, what are the Raiders going to do with Trent Brown uh, when he's healthy, uh, when he's on the field? Uh, he's a pretty d- darn good football player. Uh, the problem is you can't go into seasons wondering if you're going to get uh, consistent games out of a key position on the field, especially at the price tag uh, that that Trent Brown was coming in at. So um, they're able to, uh, I think ideally uh, in in, in their world, uh, find a trade partner. That's the New England Patriots, uh, the team that he last played for before signing with the Raiders uh, in 2019. Uh, the Patriots give up a fifth-round pick in 2022 uh, in exchange for Trent Brown and a seventh-round pick from the Raiders uh, in 2022. Uh, they're also able to get Trent Brown to agree to a contract uh, extension. Um, he will now play 2021. Uh, it's a one-year, $11 million. Uh, I'd have to go look back to see if it's guaranteed. I'm assuming uh, that it, that they guaranteed uh, the $11 million. But that allows him to now become a free agent. After 2022, if you're the Patriots um, who have gobbles upon gobbles of, of money under the salary cap, uh, it's a low risk move. Um, you know, you, you trade a you trade a fifth round pick uh, in 2022. Uh, Trent Brown plays for you uh, and you know plays well. Um, hopefully, for for New England's purposes, uh, that's what happens. And then if he does leave as a free agent in 2022. Uh, 
chances are the New England Patriots are going to get a third or fourth round uh, draft pick in compensation. So in their eyes, you you trade a fifth round pick for the potential of a third or fourth round pick uh, after paying Trent $11 million to play this one season. Uh, And so, and then you also get a seventh round pick uh, in 2022 uh, as well. So uh, the New England Patriots, it makes sense for them. They had plenty of money under the cap uh, to absorb uh, that deal, even at $11 million. From the Raiders' perspective, uh, they pick up $14 million to add to uh, the salary cap space uh, and relief that they've already created. They made the official uh, announcement today that LaMarcus Joyner uh, has been released. Um, that saves $8.7 million uh, of cap space. Uh, they announced the official um, release of uh, uh, Lord Richie Incognito. That's a $5.7 million savings. Uh, although um, I think Richie Incognito and the Raiders are open to a reunion, uh, so we'll see where that goes. The Raiders have uh, the Raiders have also. Um, we already know uh, that they've released uh, Tyrell Williams, uh, the wide receiver. That's about an eleven point seven million dollars um, savings under the cap. So as of right now, um, and this is accounting for the. Um, potential, uh, or expected, I should say, release of Gabe Jackson. Uh, Remember, news came out about Gabe Jackson, I think it was last week or maybe the week before. Uh, I haven't been able to confirm anything uh, with my sources. Uh, uh, However, um, what I I can say is this. He's officially still on the roster. Uh, I think that somebody jumped the gun, and I'm assuming that uh, it was probably from his camp, um, uh, Gabe Jackson's camp. Uh, let it out that the Raider, Raiders were uh, had informed Gabe Jackson that they were going to uh, release him. That's kind of the uh, the gist of the the reports that I've seen. I think it's headed in that direction, um, but every day that he stays on the roster officially, or every day uh, that passes where the Raiders haven't you know officially announced anything, is one more day that the Raiders can. Uh, either convince him to restructure his deal uh, and, and and play 2021 uh, for less than $9 million uh, that he's scheduled to make. Maybe you do that by renegotiating the deal, adding another year to the contract. He's only has one more year left on the on the contract. It's not guaranteed at 9. I think it's 9.7. I'll go check the exact numbers. Uh, but maybe you can uh, talk to Gabe about, hey, we'll add a year or two uh, to your to your current deal. Put some guaranteed money in your in your pocket um, and uh, allow the Raiders to be able to uh, drop the 2021 the, the 2021 cap figure down to give them some cap space. If he's open to that, I'm sure the Raiders would be open uh, to that. If not, uh, you know, maybe the Raiders are able to find a trade partner, much like they did with Trent Brown. If Trent Brown uh, if there's a trade market for Trent Brown at $11 million a year for a fifth round pick, um, you know, given all the uncertainty that he represents uh, and the lack of activity last year, you'd have to figure that somebody, um, if the Raiders are, are, pro, are, are uh, intent on going down this direction, you'd have to figure there's somebody out there um, that would be willing to trade for for, for Gabe Jackson. Um, he's just too good, uh, too good of a player. Uh, and maybe, again, it could uh, result in some sort of a um, contract renegotiation, maybe even with the new team uh, that trades for him. And this way the Raiders don't just uh, release Gabe Jackson and get nothing in return. Um, you know, maybe the option is uh, he comes back at a reduced cost uh, or on a renegotiated deal or uh, they trade him uh, against 
something for him. Uh, but again, nothing is official yet on Gabe Jackson in spite of the persistent you know, talk out there that he's on his way out the door. Uh, at this point, I'd be surprised if he's back, uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised if something, if, if, if it comes in a different form uh, than we originally thought, um, that, that it's not just an outright right release. Uh, so we'll see. In any event, uh, as we sit here today, if you assume that Trent Brown, or excuse me, that, that Gabe Jackson will be released, uh, the Raiders have about $34 million uh, in cap space on the projected salary cap. Now, you also have to account for the money that you have to set aside uh, for your draft uh, class, um, the Raiders have some free agents that they want to re-sign, um, I would imagine. Uh, Nicholas Morrow comes to mind, the linebacker who had a, a breakthrough season last year, I think is in line for a new deal. Uh, he's a pending unrestricted free agent. Uh, you've got uh, Nelson Aguilar, who I know that the Raiders want to bring back, uh, had, a, had a great year uh, on the one-year contract that the Raiders signed him to as a free agent last year. Uh, he's somebody that they want to bring back, Denzel Good, uh, who filled in admirably uh, for both Trent Brown at right tackle and then for the bulk of the year, Richie Incognito at left guard. Uh, Denzel Good is a pending free agent. I would imagine that that's uh, a priority for the Raiders to bring back. Um, and so, you know, um, that money that, that, that they do, that they have created under the cap, which I also expect to grow a little bit um, over this uh, next week or so when we figure out what the Raiders are going to do with Marcus Mariota. Um, do they do they trade him? Do they find a, a trade partner for, uh, for Marcus Mariota uh, and the $10.7 million that he's owed? Or uh, do they just outright uh, release him? I don't think there's any way. Uh, it'd be surprising to me that Marcus Mariota is is back at least at the $10.7 million number. Um, I would think that he's uh, a candidate to get released or to get traded. That would be another close to $11 million. So, at, at, you know, you start adding it all up, and uh, you can see the Raiders getting into the high 40s in terms of, uh, of cap space. Again, you have to account for money that is going to go to your, dra- your draft class. You also have to account for the money that's going to go toward – uh, signing your current free agents. Now you have a hole to fill at right tackle, uh, a potentially hole, a potential hole to fill at left, or excuse me, at right guard, um, depending on Gabe Jackson's situation. Uh, what are they going to do at slot cornerback now that LaMarcus Joyner uh, isn't there? We talked yesterday about, um, and I don't have a uh, an update yet on uh, A.J. Boye, uh, who the Raiders have in for a visit here in Las Vegas, the veteran cornerback, uh, most recently with the Denver Broncos, but uh, prior to that had uh, some really good years with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It would seem to fit like a glove um, here in Las Vegas uh, in, in Gus Bradley's defense. He has experience playing that defense with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I think that if he's healthy, and remember he missed uh, most of last year, with a, uh, a shoulder injury that knocked him out for the rest of the season. Uh, if he's healthy from that, um, I think this guy can still play. And I think that whether he uh, takes Damon Arnett's job uh, or moves over to the slot to replace LaMarcus Joyner, or maybe Damon Arnett moves over to the slot to replace uh, uh, LaMarcus and, and AJ uh, assumes the starting job opposite uh, um, Trayvon Mullen, um, you know, either way, it's strengthening a, uh, an area that the Raiders need uh, to get stronger at, at cornerback. Uh, there's also some interesting news today. Malcolm Brown 
the veteran cornerback from the Tennessee Titans who continues to play uh, at a high level. He's 31 years old, but he's definitely still uh, a viable NFL uh, starter. He uh, is going to be a free agent now. Uh, the Raider, the uh, uh, Tennessee Titans are – uh, releasing him is that a player uh, that the Raiders take a look at uh, in free agency? I kept keep talking about this, um, and and I know fans, uh, savvy Raider fans, understand this. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, I said Malcolm Brown. Uh, Malcolm, I'm thinking about the Rams, the backup running back for the Rams. No, Malcolm Butler uh, from the Tennessee Titans. Thanks to Devon Cotton for uh, letting me know that. Uh, my my bad. Uh, Malcolm Butler, uh, the veteran cornerback with the Tennessee Titans is now a free agent. Is that a player that the Raiders uh, go go after? Um, we've been talking a lot about uh, the pending free agents, and it's a, a pretty good class of pending free agents, um, although today took a significant um, cut out of that with franchise tagging of Leonard Williams, uh, Marcus Williams, the uh, safety from the New Orleans Saints. Justin Simmons has already been franchise tagged, the free safety from the Denver Broncos. Marcus May, uh, the safety from the New York Jets, has already been franchise tagged. So all of a sudden, what looked like uh, a great free agent class uh, at free safety has now been uh, cut into a little bit with teams uh, deciding to, to keep those players uh, intact uh, in their in their current cities. But uh, if you notice, the Rams did not franchise tag John Johnson. Uh, the Rams are in, uh, you know, a tough spot with their with their um, uh, salary cap. I think last I saw, they were over the cap by like twenty nine million dollars. So they have a lot of work to do uh, to get things squared away in Los Angeles. As a result, a, a very very good player like John Johnson is likely now uh, to hit the open market. Um, You've all probably seen the social media uh, posts of John Johnson uh, reminding uh, a friend of his. Um, I don't. I forget what the exact setting was, but he was having a conversation with a friend. He was on IG Live, baby. It was IG Live. Okay, uh, thank you, uh, Devon. Uh, my the, the whisperer in my ear, uh, keeping me um, uh, up to date on all the social media apps. Anyway. John Johnson was on Instagram Live with talking to a friend of his, and the friend. This was a couple months ago. The friend asked him, "Hey, what do you think about, uh, you know, the the Raiders hiring Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator?" And um, John Johnson immediately replied, uh, "Yeah, yeah. Hey, by the way, do you know who the Raiders' um, general manager is?" And uh, the, the friend replies, you know, uh, Mike Mack. He's like, yeah, he went to Boston College. Well, what's the connection? That's the school that John Johnson went to. So John Johnson knows fully well uh, what school Mike Mayock graduated from. It just so happens to be his alma mater. So a couple of months ago, he was already planting uh, some seeds about a possible uh, landing here uh, here in Las Vegas. I'm, I'm just saying this. I know Raider Nation is a little wary right now uh, hearing about former Rams players um, you know, but that's like saying, you know, like, oh gosh, we don't, you know, after Lamarcus Jordan didn't quite work out. Well, there were extenuating circumstances with that. They moved him here in here with the Raiders uh, to a position that uh, wasn't his strength. He moved. They moved him from safety, where he was playing well with the Los Angeles Rams, to cornerback. Um, I don't know why Paul Gunther wanted to do that, but that was his decision. Uh, it's water under the bridge at this point. LaMarcus Joyner, understandably, struggled at a position that he's not quite as good at. He's a much better safety. So uh, there's a reason for that. Last year, they bring in Corey Littleton, the linebacker from the Rams. Um, obviously, it didn't work out, at least in year one. 
by the way, I saw uh, Corey uh, around town yesterday. He looks in tremendous shape. Um, I just got to say that. So um, he's definitely putting the work in. Uh, you could tell just eyeballing uh, uh, where he is physically right now. But, um, you know, uh, Corey Littleton, no doubt about it. He struggled. He'll be the first to tell you that. Uh, but, you know, by the end of the year, after the Raiders had made the uh, defensive coordinator switch from Paul Gunther um, to, to uh, um, the defensive line coach who, who, who replaced him, uh, Rod Marinelli, and simplified the playbook, and I guess it seemed like he was asking Corey Littleton, Littleton to do more things that were the, the type of things that he was doing in Los Angeles. Corey Littleton played well down the stretch, and it was kind of a sign that there's still hope. Uh, and I don't see any reason why he can't return to being the Corey Littleton that I remember in Los Angeles. There's no way he forgot how to play football. So, uh, But my point is, Raider fans, you can't use the disappointments of LaMarcus Joyner and to date uh, the struggles of Corey Littleton uh, to say that, oh, well, we don't want another Rams you know, free agent here. That's like saying uh, you know, because certain LSU quarterbacks may have struggled over the years, you weren't going to draft, um, you know, Joe Burrow. You know, you, you can't take that stance. You can't let um, that kind of history uh, prevent you from doing something that can help your team just because it hasn't worked out with some other guys. That's just not a way uh, to, to, to look at that. You can't exclude um, – players from a certain team just because the couple of guys, most recent you know, uh, players that you brought in had some trouble uh, making the adjustment. So uh, J- John Johnson would be a perfect fit, I'm just saying, uh, with the Raiders uh, at free safety in Gus Bradley's system. Smart as a whip, I keep saying that, um, can play all different uh, you know, positions in the, in the defensive backfield, super versatile, uh, could be the quarterback uh, at free safety, will allow Jonathan Abram to do Jonathan Abram things. It would, uh, excuse me, it would allow uh, or, or, or provide uh, more confidence um, to, to Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen, knowing that they've got a, uh, a player like, um, you, you know, like John Johnson behind them, kind of covering, being that backstop back there. Uh, he could get the uh, backside of the defense organized. Uh, there's so many pluses to John Johnson as a free safety, not, and not just, and, not, and I should say that's on top of the fact that he would upgrade that position dramatically dramatically over what they've had here uh, these last few years. He provides that kind of an upgrade at free safety. But in addition to that, he helps so many other levels of your defense um, because of what he does, uh, how smart he is, um, the way he can communicate, the way he can get guys lined up uh, correctly back there. It's a win-win. So uh, John Johnson, if you noticed, um, wasn't franchise tagged. Uh, today. Um, so he looks like uh, will be out on the open market, as will Anthony Harris uh, from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he would be my second probably choice if I'm thinking about free safeties for the Raiders. I think John Johnson fits better. I think he's been a more consistent player. Um, and, you know, while Anthony Harris kind of struggled a little bit last year, uh, John Johnson was as good as he's ever been. So uh, that would be the direction that I would go in. Uh, an interesting day for free safeties in terms of the franchise tag. But the guy that I think is the best fit of all uh, here in Las Vegas and here with the Raiders is John John, John Johnson. And it looks like in a couple of weeks, um, or even less than that, he's going to be out on the open market. When we go out to the Raider Nation listener line, Justin wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Justin? Hey, Vinny. What's going on, man? Big fan. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you for calling. Hey, we're still on the DB topic, right? Or are you guys, are you guys talking about Trent Brown now? 
whatever you want to talk about, but yes, I was just uh, uh, finishing up with uh, with John Johnson and the uh, and the cornerbacks and the safeties. But where, whatever direction you want to take it, I'm game, man. Man, I got to be honest. That Marcus Williams tag, uh, surprising. I thought I thought they they were stuck where they were at. What? How, how are they able to pull that off? That like that was my number one target. I think we definitely need a veteran in the in the safety position. I think it's kind of a casualty throwing a rookie out there. I mean, we kind of saw what happened with Abram. I, I think he. I think Abram just needs a, a veteran. You know, you know, running may back there, and I, I think we'll get that area of the defense figured out, but. Uh, yeah, I was just really surprised to see them them tag him. I, I don't know if you kind of know how they were able to pull that off. Yeah, and uh, the Saints always are able somehow, some way to pull a rabbit out of the hat uh, when it comes to uh, right. their salary cap. Uh, obviously, other moves um, are going to have to come. Um, you know, you could do all you want right now uh, because you're not under the gun of being under the cap this second or, or at the cap this second. But in, you know, uh, what is 12 more days? You're going to have to be. Uh, everything has, all business has to be taken care of in terms of getting under the salary cap, whether it's by one cent uh, or fifty million dollars by March 17th. So um, you know they they put the franchise tag on Marcus Williams, uh, but there's obviously still work that they need to do uh, in New Orleans. Now, saying that, I'm with you. Uh, I would you couldn't argue whether it was Marcus Williams or John Johnson uh, or Justin Simmons, for that matter, um, as a free, free safety upgrade uh, for the Raiders. But, uh, and I'm sure this puts a big smile uh, on John Johnson's face, oh, yeah. you know, the fact that um, both of those guys got, their, got the franchise tag and depleted the market um, by two, uh, that means that he's in a really good position now to, to kind of have the market to himself almost. I know Anthony Harris is still there. There's a couple other, uh, you know, uh, pretty good safeties uh, that are that are scheduled to hit free safe free agency too, but to me, John Johnson is is significantly uh, better than the rest of the options. Hey, as far as the cornerback position, um, you know, I, I think Richard Sherman would fit in perfectly. I mean, he has the experience with Gus Bradley in that system. That that you're getting a you're getting a mentor, you're getting a coach, you're getting somebody that's going to light that locker room on fire. And I mean, I think Mullen and Arnett would benefit, you know, humongously from from signing Sherman. Even if it's a one year deal, he's he's like the Aguilars in the locker room that can, you know, get everybody juiced up. And, and accountability is the biggest thing we need in that defensive locker room. I, I I know there was some rumblings in the beginning. Gruden had, you know, went off the cuff and what what did they say that he was he was illegally tampering or whatever on Collinsworth's <laughs> podcast, like. Wouldn't that just be the dream location for Sherman, though, for that defense and those two young corners? Yeah, no, I, I think that he uh, would would fit in really well. Um, you know, obviously, the uh, we're gonna have to wait um, until his contract officially uh, runs out for the Raiders to be able to bring him in for a visit and for a talk. Uh, but I would suspect that they're gonna kick the tires. Uh, on that, we'll see what happens with uh, AJ uh, Boye, who uh, is in town as we speak. Um, you know, for a visit for for. A, a visit with the Raiders, so uh, it'll be interesting. But I do expect them to sign uh, and bring in some additions at cornerback, especially of the veteran variety, because uh, they they're definitely going to need it. Uh, Nelson, or um, uh, they've got some uh, um, players from last year that are going to be free agents, and we'll see if they if they br- are are brought back. But I would imagine they're going to go outside the building to bring in veteran leadership in the defensive backfield. Nevin Lawson is who I was thinking about. I don't know if he's going to be back. Uh, but if he isn't, then certainly they have to replace him uh, as well. Back to the Raider Nation listener line, Gangster Raider. How you doing, Gangster Raider? 
How are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I, you didn't invite me to the party? Yeah, I'm at a bar right now. I'm walking outside. I right see now. how it is. I see how it is. What I want to say, what I what I want to say is that I think we shouldn't get any more Cowboys. I understand what you're saying about the Rams, but we don't need any more Cowboy players or Cowboy coaches. You know, so they should be banned from the Rams <laughs> organization, including Rob Marinelli. But uh, <laughs> what I want to say is I'm glad Trent Brown got released because um, in hindsight he didn't really want to be a Raider. But it was um. Uh, uh, could have been a win-win situation for everybody involved, but um, it didn't work out that way. But I want to say, the players that we do bring in, please make sure they want to be Raiders, because I'm tired of this Randy Moss. I'm tired of this Warren Staff. I'm tired of this, um, what's his name? But we just cut Trent Brown. Antonio Brown, Trent Brown. Stop paying these, stop, yeah, stop paying these bums. And um, don't, don't, you know, because it's always making us look bad. You know what I mean? So, but we got to do all research. That's why we got to be more mature and stop just going after the big names. We got to look at their um, history and see, just like um, your boy Little Williams, he already expressed a desire to be a Raider. You got to look for players like that. That's all I want to say. And I also want to say to the Raider Nation that's in Vegas, don't be like those Raider fans in L.A. and Oakland and just follow them blindly. You say, y'all got a chance to hold them to the fire. Like, with us, it's a, it's a lifestyle. We already bought in. We're gon- we gon- we down for life, so... No matter what happens, we still gonna be ready. But you do, Las Vegas Raiders fans, hold them to the fire. If we don't do no better than eight and eight, don't come to none of the games, don't buy none of the fail, don't fall for the own um, stuff like we did. Hold them to the fire so they can do better, especially Gruden. All this is Gruden's fault. He needs to be more mature. That's all I want to say. Let me get back to the party. All right, all right brother. Uh, thanks, thanks, uh, uh, Gangster Raider. Uh, I could tell you this. Uh, we're gonna take a break here in, in just a second. Um, nobody cares more than John Gruden. I can assure you that uh, it's killing him that it's taken this long um, or, or, or the, the, the length of time that it has to get this thing turned around. They're headed in the right direction. There's still work to be done. There's no question about it. Uh, I do ask fans to recognize how bad this roster really was across the board uh, when he took over and the salary cap situation uh, that existed when he took over. Uh, there was a lot of work to get done, and uh, that's exactly what he's been trying to do. Uh, it's taken a little bit longer, uh, but they're closing in, I believe. Uh, and last year, being what three plays away from being a playoff team uh, is a strong uh, indicator of that. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Raider Nation, welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Tuesday. In the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Going to go right out to the Raider Nation uh, guest line uh, and bring in our good friend, uh, out in Boston and New England, Mike Reese. He covers uh, the Patriots and does an excellent, excellent job. Uh, follow him at Mike Reese, um, and uh, you won't be disappointed. I-, I promise you that. Mike, thanks so much for spending some time with us. How you doing, man? Hey, Vinny, doing well. Great to be on with you tonight. All right, that's that, great. Thank you very much. Uh, let's get right to it. Uh, I, I I knew something was cooking, uh, you know, with with Trent Brown. Um, it was very very dubious that he'd be back um, with the Raiders, uh, given the money that he was uh, on the books for, and you know the injury concern playing uh, just sixteen games over the last two years. The Raiders weren't going to go into another year with that uncertainty. 
but I'm a little bit surprised that it's the New England Patriots, even though uh, he had arguably his best year with the Patriots uh, in 2018, helped them win a Super Bowl. Uh, how surprised are you uh, that uh, that Trent Brown is, is headed back to the East Coast? Not not too surprised, Vinny. I thought um, Mike Mayock was was great when he talked about Trent last week. I happened to be watching that, you know, just because um, you know I have interest in a couple of Raider players, you know, as it relates to the team I cover here in New England, the Patriots. And I thought Mike, when he talked about Trent, just saying, like, look, when he's motivated and healthy, he's an elite player. But Mike sort of laid it out on the line and said, like, what he's got to do is, you know, commit himself or however he worded it. And so I thought that that was really honest. It was straightforward. And it sort of led me to think, well, you know, he might not be back there at his current salary. And so he maybe would take a reduction or maybe move on. And the Patriots had a great experience with Trent in 2018. I think the difference in that experience Vinny was that Trent was playing for a big money payday, you know, um, hit the big apple, you know, the big bite at the apple and as an unrestricted free agency. And so they really got a lot out of him. I think the experience with the Raiders came sort of after he got the big contract and maybe it was a, a different type of experience that the, the Raiders had with him. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And I think that he goes to New England, um, you know, I, I also, I'm a believer that once you get uh, a taste of that apple, it tastes pretty darn good. Uh, and the $36 million uh, that, that, that Trent made these last couple of years, uh, that's no longer in the picture right now, but it can be uh, if he gets back on track and, and puts together another good year. So I'd imagine he comes into this situation, especially after you know renegotiating the, the contract, uh, taking it from two years to one year. He knows what's at stake, so he's, by all accounts, he should be fairly motivated to play well and play consistently next year. Am I right? And, and Vinny, I, I, do, I do think you're right, and I think from a Patriots perspective – that's a key factor. Like, they're not only acquiring him for really a, a bargain price in terms of draft pick compensation, but they're doing it at a lower salary. And I think, and, and you know, this probably better said by someone in Mike Mayock's position, but I, I would think if I'm a general manager, like, that's one of the big questions I'm always asking. Like, you know, there's certain players you like when they're still, you know, when they're chasing something, and then when you're signing a player to a big contract, like you're probably asking yourself the question. And Bill Belichick, same thing. Like, how is this gonna? Is, is the player's motivation still gonna be at the same level, even with the big contract, right? And I think that's hard as a general manager, someone putting together a team, to sort of read the DNA of a player and to try to determine that. Yeah, no question about it. And you know, for the for if you look at it from the way I do it, from from the Patriots' perspective, you get Trent Brown for eleven million dollars. You trade a fifth round pick. You get a seventh round pick. And if he plays well, uh, and he decides to go elsewhere in twenty twenty two, you probably get a third round pick as comp. So you traded a fifth for potentially a third, and you got a seventh, and you got one year out of Trent Brown at eleven million dollars. So I could see the thought process uh, from the Patriots, and who knows, maybe they marry uh, Trent Brown for a longer period of time and, and uh, you know you get a still very young player or youngish player uh, yeah. for, for you know X amount of years so I totally see it from uh, the Patriots perspective I, I'm curious when you said that 
you're interested in a, a couple of uh, uh, Raider players and, and, and where they stand. I'm going to take a wild stab guess right now and, and assume uh, that Marcus Mariota might be somebody that uh, that you're interested in. And uh, I, I think we all know the reasons why. Uh, but, but from your perspective, what about Marcus Mariota uh, is intriguing, especially, especially as it relates to the Patriots? Well, so I hope I have it right, but I think it's 61 career starts. And, you know, Patriots currently have a big question at quarterback. And I'm sort of assessing the landscape, and I'm saying I, I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo would, would be their top preference if they could draw it up any way, you know, they wanted. But that might not be an option, you know, because – the 49ers might just hold on to him, so it has me looking at other options. And Mariota, his experience, um, you know, as a starting quarterback in the league, um, you know, a little bit of what he did in that, I, I guess, can we call it a cameo, Vinny, against the Chargers? It was, yes, absolutely. It was a pretty darn good one, too, actually. It, right? I mean, it looked pretty good. And, and so I, I sort of take those two things, the fact that he's had, I think it's, five offensive coordinators in six years in the league. So I think that, 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 that's a tough spot, you know, for any quarterback. And so maybe the Patriots would view it as, you know, judging it and saying, well, it might look different the way we do things, and maybe we can get him into, you know, a little more stability. And so I was curious, you know, to hear to, – to hear if Mike would mention anything about the plans with Marcus, given the $10 million salary, you know, with the, the upside in the contract if he plays, you know, which would hit the cap actually in 2022, like another $10 million or so if, if he was a, like a full-time starter. So, you know, those are some of the thoughts. I, I don't think that they would be like pursuing him aggressively, the Patriots, but I do think he, he is probably on their radar. Yeah, and you know, uh, thanks for bringing up you know the the, the money aspect of it because while it is ten point seven um, technically uh, on, on the books, uh, there are incentives that can drive it up to the nineteen twenty million dollar range. And I read somewhere uh, that that might be uh, a, ter- a deterrent uh, for some teams trading for him. But on the flip side, um, every general manager that I've ever talked to when it, ta- when, it, when it comes to incentives, they're happy to pay those incentives if they're reached because it usually means everybody's doing well. The quarterback's playing well and he's consistently – or whatever the position we're talking about. And the team is usually playing well. So there are uh, incentives in there that are directly related to team success uh, um, in addition to the quarterback success. So I don't see that that's the biggest – or, or a big de- uh, uh, deterrent for uh, a team that might be interested in trading for Marcus Mariota. Now, given all that, uh, there's an assumption here that um, you know Marcus Mariota, whether he gets traded uh, or released, uh, chances are he's not going to be back with the Raiders. Uh, so I could imagine that teams are sitting back and, and waiting. But when I look at the Patriots' um, salary cap situation, they're so far under the salary cap. Do you think that it, it almost behooves them to go ahead and beat everyone else to the punch? and just bring in Marcus Mariota in a trade, knowing that they have so much money that they could spend under the cap that they could easily fit him in. Could definitely make that case, Vinny. You know, like if we're projecting, a, you know, sort of a bidding war, if you will, for Marcus. I, I don't know if there would be that type of bidding situation, but your point is well taken. Like, well, you know, why even take the chance, right, if 
you're in position to, to take them on, right? And, and to eliminate that potential competition. My only thought on that from a Patriot standpoint is how do they feel about Marcus relative to, let's say, the next option, right? Like if they were gung-ho about Marcus like, and, and they're like, yeah, that's definitely the guy we want, then I'd say absolutely, go for it. But I, I just don't sense it. Like I think like they might end up with him and they might say this is the best we can do given the situation we're in, but I don't sense that they're as fired up about that as, let's say, the opportunity to get someone like Jimmy Garoppolo back was there. I think they would move more aggressively. This is just my sense uh, for something like that. There's also, you know, uh, the draft may uh, break in a, in a perfect way for the Patriots, and they end up with one of the, the better quarterbacks in the draft and uh, want to accelerate uh, uh, his, his um, uh, you know, development, and they just run him out there uh, next year. So I think a lot has to happen before it even gets to that point uh, for Marcus Mariota, and I'm sure it's frustrating for, for players in th- that are in that situation. You kind of know you're going to be on the open market. You kind of know whether it's a trade or, or, or getting released, uh, but finally, Finding that next landing spot in a way that's conducive to you uh, might be problematic uh, here until after the draft. So we'll we'll have to see about uh, Marcus Mariota. Going back to Trent Brown, um, you know, I got here covering the Raiders in late November, and by that of 2019, and by that time, Trent Brown um, he had been injured, and so he wasn't around very often uh, in the locker room. Really didn't get a chance to connect with them at all. Obviously, this year, we all know uh, as reporters how it went. There was no locker room access. There was barely any access whatsoever. So, you know, getting to know him was uh, basically impossible. Uh, But you did get a chance uh, to cover him a couple of years ago, um, you know, in New England. What was your sense, uh, you know, in in dealing with Trent Brown uh, during his time with the Patriots? It was a lot of fun getting to know him. A couple things come to mind. I think he refers to himself, and you can probably help me here, Vinny, as like something like the big underdog or something like yes, that. Yes, definitely, definitely. You know, like going back to when he came in the league. The gra- yeah, it's the greatest underdog. Greatest underdog, right, as a seventh-round pick. And we sort of had some fun, um, just me and him, because I'm a real small guy, like 5'4", yes. maybe a half in there. And he, you know, you know, he's 6'8", maybe 3'80", and so we would sort of joke around, right, like a little bit about that. And I just really came to know him as like this sweet sort of like soft, mild-mannered person off the field, you know, which is totally different, right, than his playing style, which is this big, mauling um, guy. And, and, you know, just your question sort of sparked a memory I I remember writing a story about him and the impact, I think, of his mom and his life. And so really, it it, it actually was more, probably more than most players, I felt like, had made a little bit more of a connection with him beyond just the football player. Um, And so I I can see, like, here in New England, and I'm sort of going off a little bit on this, Vinny, like, he had a very hard driving, demanding offensive line coach in Dante Scarnecchia and uh, a, a strength and conditioning staff that really was on top of him, you know, and I think that really helped, you know, really sort of kept him, you know, locked in, in a way. So I think all those factors, we got to see maybe the best of Trent Brown 
because of that on and off the field. Well, what's interesting to me, too, is, um, you know, I'm sure when he got to the Raiders and obviously he got paid and, and, and all that, and, and there's something to be said about that, no question. Uh, but it was a completely different world, um, the Raiders' world, compared to the world that he left in New England, uh, coming off a Super Bowl championship. Um, what, what, what interests me is that the world he's going back to in New England is vastly different than the one he left. Um, you know, no Tom Brady, uh, Gronk's no longer there. Uh, they're quasi-rebuilding, I guess. I don't even know what you want to term it uh, in New England necessarily. I guess when, when you don't have your quarterback, you're always in somewhat of a rebuild uh, kind, of a, kind of a mode. But it's a different world that he's going back to in New England. Um, how do you think he's going to react uh, to that reality once that reality sets in? So, so, Vinny, it's actually really interesting because in so many ways it is a different world. Like, they're coming off a 7-9 and nine season, missing the playoffs for the first time since 2008. It's only the second time in Bill Belichick's 20 years that they had a sub-500 season. So, in that sense, it couldn't be more different than what he experienced that one year as a Super Bowl champion. I think in another respect, I could almost say that it is the same world in terms of the culture. Like, yes, Tom Brady isn't here, Rob Gronkowski isn't here, and that's significant. Like, but the culture, I would almost argue, hasn't changed. Like, you still have like, this hard-driving, football-first, you know, nothing-else-matters culture with strong presence in the locker room from maybe players that aren't as well-known like a Brady and Gronkowski, but talk about like a, a Matthew Slater, whose dad, Jackie Slater, is a pro football Hall of Famer. This is, you know, one of the all-time great special teams players, um, who's sort of the spiritual leader. Devin McCourty, his brother Jason McCourty, who is a free agent. We don't know if he'll be back. Um, Dante Hightower coming back. And, you know, the offensive line group um, is a very tight group. It, the player he played next to at times, Shaq Mason, um, at guard, David Andrews, the center, who's a free agent. So I think a lot of it in that sense will be the same. So I think I would almost forecast him to react well to it. But that's not to dismiss the fact that it is entering a different world in terms of they didn't have the same level of success, not even close to when he was here. Yeah, absolutely. But he definitely found a home in New England. And just by looking at his uh, social media today, he's ecstatic uh, to be back. And, and, and again, you know, there, there's, there's something to be said about that. That's the place where he had the greatest success, probably earned uh, the most respect, obviously earned himself uh, life-changing money uh, in, in the process here with the Raiders. But, um, you know, good for Trent. I hope, I hope it all works out uh, and that he stays healthy. That's the most important thing, as, uh, as Mike Mayock uh, alluded to. Uh, you can follow him at Mike Reese. Uh, he covers the Patriots uh, for ESPN NFL Nation. He does a fantastic job uh, of it, by the way. Before I get you out, uh, I got to ask you this. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Tom uh, Brady uh, and the Patriots went in two opposite directions last year. Uh, Tom Brady went to New or to Tampa Bay and and you know put on a spectacular run in the playoffs and and took the Buccaneers to a Super Bowl championship. Um, meanwhile, you know the Patriots didn't make the Patriot didn't make the playoffs. You mentioned uh, the first losing season or only the second losing season in X amount of, amount of years. Um, I contend that while all that was going on with Tom, um, Bill Belichick was probably grinding tape of a uh, long snapper from Coastal Carolina, and his mind was on getting the Patriots fixed. 
rather than you know focused on what was going on with Tom Brady and the and the Buccaneers. But some part of him had to have been paying attention. And I'm going to ask you to put your uh, Bill Belichick hoodie on uh, and, and and let us know what what was he thinking? Do you think um, as as that all unfolded, was he happy? Was he was he envious? Um, bittersweet? What would you say was going through Bill Belichick's mind uh, when Tom Brady won another Super Bowl championship? You know, Vinny, I would only be guessing, but I would have to think he thought, along with, you know, others close to him, that it was the worst-case scenario, right? Because, you know, if he goes to the playoffs and they bow out in the, you know, divisional round, um, you know, or even the NFC championship, like, probably moving forward and and no one's really questioning you, right? Like, oh, it was a great 20-year run and, you know, it had run its course. But to go have him win a Super Bowl, it almost like, you know, picks off the scab that a, a lot of, um, you know, fans had a tough time with. Like, why isn't Tom still around? You know, he can still do this if you surround him with, you know, better players. And so I would just say it probably was the worst case, you know, from his view, worst case scenario in that regard because it sort of opens him up to more second guessing, right? And so now, Vinny, it's like, they, they got the cap space, like you mentioned. They, they sort of took a hit last year in the cap, paying some past you know, credit card bills, if you will, for decisions they made to sort of prolong the run with Tom, in a sense. And now they get the space, and they're going to try to piece it together. And Nelson Aguilar, by the way, was another guy uh-huh. that I was looking at that I think could really fit well here. And I'd love to hear you. I know we're probably running out of time. I'd love to hear what you say about him and, and what you where you see his situation. Yeah, well, um, I, I think that he's definitely somebody that the Raiders obviously want to want to bring back. It was so interesting that you mentioned that name because um, not quite this time a year ago, but right around, um, you know, and I, I covered uh, Nelson at, at USC when I was working in Los Angeles. And, you know, so when they signed him, and it was a very low-key signing the Raiders when they signed Nelson Aguilar. I can remember some of Raider Nation, you know, kind of throwing their hands up in the air because uh, – I guess there was, you know, he had dropped some passes in Philadelphia, so that was the narrative that he dropped passes. And I'm like, I was trying to tell him, like, you know, if you're bringing in Nelson Aguilar to be a reserve wide receiver, like if he's the bench guy, trust me, you're going to love Nelson Aguilar. And as it turns out, you know, he became much more than that But he's because he's a good, solid football player. And I think that um, obviously – uh, the Raiders want him back, but money always comes in into play. I think that wherever he goes, um, I think he fits, and he's not going to cost a lot of money. Um, and I think that he he changed the narrative about uh, himself with the kind of year that he had uh, last year. Maybe not the number one guy necessarily, but somebody that can be a good, steady, um, productive player uh, in the right situation. So that's definitely someone that we're keeping an eye on here in Las Vegas uh, without questions. So, uh, uh, Mike, thanks so much uh, for spending some time with us. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, keep up the great work. You can follow him at Mike Reese. Um, uh, have a gr- and by the way, with Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick and all that, um, hopefully, and I know this will happen. It's all going to circle back, and they're going to be able to shake hands. Um, oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah. At Definitely. the end of the day, and I think they would right now if they saw each other. 
You know, they're just two great competitors. Yes, exactly. That'll all, you know, there, there's going to be a day at uh, Gillette Stadium where, where we all watch, um, you know, the, 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 uh, when he gets his number retired and, and every, it'll be happy times again. But, you know, it's sometimes you have to go through these little intersections uh, uh, to get back there. And like you said, two highly competitive uh, human beings, but they'll find their way back uh, to each other at some point. I'm, I'm convinced of it. Mike, thanks so much for spending some time with us. We will check in on you down the road and Good luck with uh, Trent Brown and free agency. I know I'm, I'm putting that hat on myself, uh, gearing up for a crazy couple of weeks, but that's why we do it, right? No, no doubt, Vinny, and I really appreciate you having me. And uh, best to all in the Raider Nation. All right. Thank you a lot. Thanks, Mike. Take care of yourself, Thanks, brother. Man. That was Mike Rice, uh, Mike Reese, Mike Rice, Mike Reese uh, from ESPN, uh, Boston.com, does a great job covering uh, the New England Patriots, knows Trent Brown well. Uh, Trent Brown's uh, best year uh, was in New England. They won a Super Bowl. I was there in Atlanta when they beat the Rams, and uh, he was uh, a big part of that success. We'll see if he can get back on his feet. But from the Raiders' perspective, it's $14 million of cap space. Uh, They're now, I just checked it, sixth in the NFL in cap space. That's going to grow depending on what happens with Marcus Mariota. But the Raiders are positioning themselves uh, to be a uh, a nice player uh, here in free agency, whether it is signing their own uh, free agents or going out there and making some much-needed defensive uh, additions. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajara. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What up, what up, what up, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM in the huddle. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Dana wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Dana? Great, Vinny B. How you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. Good. Hey, uh, you know, the caller earlier talked about the Richard Sherman um, interview or, you know, a podcast with Gruden and Chris Collinsworth. Did you hear the whole podcast of that? Uh, the the uh, Richard Sherman John Gruden I I, I heard um, I mean the, the the parts that were pertinent to uh, to, to Richard and, and possibly you know the well, I have to say that the the it was a fan it's fantastic that right. uh, you know um, that Richard Sherman is obviously smarter than the rest of us I mean he's Stanford smart and Collinsworth has always pointed it out and to hear Gruden and him talking about the defense and a lot of what Gus Bradley said in his interview with Eric Allen about how this defense, it's once you're playing it, it's how do they want to attack it. And then once you know how they're going to attack it, then how do you stop them from how they want to attack it? And it was great because I wanted to back you up on what you've been saying about John Johnson, because the next podcast they had Brandon Staley on and he was just fawning all over John Johnson Uh, and talking about how smart he was and what a great player and what a vital part of the defense he was there and for the Rams. And Sherman was asking him, he goes, I've never seen a safety wear the green dot before. What's that? What was that all about? And he was saying how, because they, they had 
you know, they didn't have the kind of middle linebackers that could stay on the field every down and they had a little fluctuation and Johnson was the best person for it. So he, when you're talking about him being the quarterback of the defense, he was literally the quarterback of the defense. No, I was there uh, for, for most of those years um, where John was just a tremendous football player and, uh, we're, I'll talk more about it uh, on the other uh, on the other side, but uh, honestly, uh, he's I, I've talked a lot uh, to John Johnson over the years, and uh, I could get into some of what we what we've talked about and uh, some of the light that he shed uh, on the position that he plays, the work that he puts in. Um, just a really, really he's a perfect fit. I'm just saying that he is the perfect fit for the Raiders. You're in the huddle uh, with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. It's a championship doubleheader this Saturday. Tipping off first with the Big East Championship at 315, followed by the Pac-12 Championship. The road to Indy through ESPN Las Vegas. Brought to you by Finley Toyota. We're here for you. When it comes to dependability in car batteries, no one beats Interstate Battery. 